Um, if, you're, if you're visiting, uh, we have a visitor card in your bulletin. You can drop that off at the resource center and we have a little gift for you out there. But let's jump into the Bible. Jesus, thank you so much for the spirit of truth that permeates this house. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the Holy Spirit who's in us, upon us, and teaches us, opens up our understanding and guides us and shows us Jesus. As we are in this series, on you, Holy Spirit, we ask once again that you take this beyond a teaching to an encounter. So we are transformed under the likeness of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let me uh, clear the slate here. So I've noticed that uh, when we began this series on the Holy Spirit, that I felt passionate about emphasizing and stressing how critical our dependency on the Holy Spirit is as human beings. And then Mark taught the next message, and he taught on the same theme. He told, he was going to, he told me he was going to teach on something other, but when he got up behind the pulpit, he was so passionate about how much we need the Holy Spirit. And then last week, I felt impressed again to teach on our desperate need for the Holy Spirit. And I taught on you can't get born again without the Holy Spirit. You can't fulfill or even know what your life purpose is without the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one who shows us our eternal destiny, which is heaven, which gives us the hope we need in the present. As Paul said, look, these light afflictions, look, this is a guy that was beat to death, right? He was raised from the dead after being stoned to death. He was shipwrecked. He was starved. He was betrayed. I mean, you read Paul's life and it's just, murderous. And then he says, these light afflictions are nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed. Well, the only way he could have a revelation of the glory that would be revealed is that the Holy Spirit would show him the future, which enabled him to endure the present. So how important is the Holy Spirit? We talked about how spiritual poverty, which every human being on the planet is born in spiritual poverty, spiritual poverty is not cured by information or revelation, or spiritual enlightenment. Spiritual poverty is only cured by the new birth, which can only happen by the Holy Spirit himself, where you are, be, you are, you are recreated into a being that never existed before, a new creation, a son and a daughter of God, and you then are um, ushered into the family of God, and you have a new identity at that moment, and a new purpose in life. But for that purpose to be fulfilled, you must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so, I just feel like I need to emphasize this again today. And I'm going to do it in a way that I, I find pretty dramatic. And that is this. As I was in my prayer time, this phrase kept rolling around in me. So I just decided to call my sermon this phrase. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. Now, that might sound kind of sacrilegious to you that Jesus needed anything. But if you know the Bible, the gospel at all, it is a revelation that it really takes forever to even catch up to, even to get a glimpse of. That God himself 
would become a human being. Now, some have the most difficult time believing that Jesus is God, but they have no problem believing that we can become gods. Isn't that weird? If that's not humanism at its nth degree, right? Well, I don't believe, I don't believe God became human, but you believe that you can become a god through further and further enlightenment. You see how upside down that is? The mystery is that God so loved you and I, and he knew our desperate, desperate, hopeless condition spiritually that he came down to the earth and made himself his own creation so that he could bear the burden of our sin and guilt and shame on himself as a human being and then take it to the grave. And then the Holy Spirit rose him from the dead and he now sits at the right hand of the throne of God and he anoints people like me and you to preach this good news that there's an escape hatch. There's a way out. There's a way through. There's a way to heaven and his name is Jesus Christ. The only name given under heaven whereby men and women can be saved. But here's my point. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, could not have fulfilled that mission without the Holy Spirit. He became a human being just like you and I are human beings. And if he could not do it without the Holy Spirit, what makes us think we can? So today I want to simply look theologically. I want to lay a theological foundation for you and I to stand on, to understand how much Jesus really needed the Holy Spirit so that we can keep referring back to, well, if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, I certainly need the Holy Spirit. And this, therefore, causes us to see that Jesus is not only our Savior to venerate, but also our example to imitate. If we understand this, we can look right at Jesus and then say, that's how God wants me to be, just like him in every aspect, other than being the son of God. But you and I are a son and a daughter of God once we give our life to him. And we are to represent Jesus to the world. So I want to pick this up in the book of Luke and in chapter 3. In Luke chapter 3, we see this in verse 21. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. Now, why is Jesus being baptized? I mean, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. That means turning from an independent, self-willed life and turning to Jesus as king, and I now am serving in the kingdom of God. That's what repentance is. Turning from our own will to the will of God. Well, Jesus didn't need to do that. So why is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, being water baptized? He did this as an example to us. That it is complete submission to the will of God. Jesus was showing that he, as he goes under the water and is completely submerged, that he is relinquishing all control to his life and he emerges out of the water and now he is fully submitted to the will of God. It was also a foreshadowing of his death and burial and resurrection as well as our death, burial, and resurrection, spiritually and in the future, naturally, when we are raised from the grave to live with him forever. So first we see Jesus water baptized. Now look what happened. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. I want to say something to you right here. I, I personally don't believe necessarily that we always need to pray for an open heaven. I believe, that when you, I believe that when the Holy Spirit came, the heavens were opened. 
and that you and I as sons and daughters of God walk in the earth under an open heaven wherever we go. Because we are sons and daughters of God bringing the kingdom everywhere we go. I think it puts us into a beggar category rather than into an ambassador category. That's just a little side note. And we can teach on that another time. But I think it's as interesting that when he was baptized and fully submitted to the will of God, the heavens opened. That's a huge key right there for you and I to hear. When you're fully submitted to God, the heavens open. It's when we struggle with the will of God and submitting to God that we don't experience that open heaven. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. Now here, you know, we see the uh, emblem of a dove, right? A little dove. We say that's the Holy Spirit. And we get it from this passage. That's where that little emblem comes from. I don't believe when the Holy Spirit came down, it was in the shape of a dove. I believe he's saying the Holy Spirit came down in bodily form. I believe the bodily form was identical to the body of Jesus Christ and it fit him like a glove. But it descended like a dove would descend. And I think when we have the dove as the emblem, we kind of miss it like the Holy Spirit is this little dove that sits on your head maybe. I don't know where it sits, right? Rather than seeing the Holy Spirit as cellophane that just completely wraps you and fits to your body perfectly like a glove and walks around with you everywhere you go. To me, that I think is the more biblical uh, view of the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you and baptizes you. And you can see that the correlation is water baptism. So unlike some traditions, which I'm not here to throw them under the bus, but biblically, uh, you don't take water and kind of sprinkle a little bit, representing the Holy Spirit on somebody and call it baptism. Every baptism in the Bible was complete submersion under water. So you see, as he's completely submerged under water, then the Holy Spirit comes and completely submerges him, just like he was submerged in water. You see the correlation? Therefore, as believers and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, why do we think we can get away with less than the complete submersion and baptism in the Holy Spirit? Come on! That's why the church is so doggone weak. Because we're operating out of our natural minds and our willpower and being taught principles that we're supposed to just grind our teeth and try it as hard as you can rather than understanding, no, if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, needed to be completely submerged in the Holy Spirit to do the will of God, how much more do I? Man, I am just preaching a whole lot better than your amen in right now because this is, this is strong stuff right here. And I know you can say, I know, I know this theologically, but are you doing it? Please. I know you can probably preach this better than me, but are you doing it? I remember my former pastor, he became the senior pastor of a a huge church in Texas. He was the youth pastor. Senior pastor dies. They got the youth pastor to be the senior pastor. And so this old Presbyterian walked in to his office and said, good morning, pastor. Um, I have a question for you. Um, have you put on the armor of God? And he said, oh, I know all about the armor of God. In fact, I wrote a book on the armor of God. In fact, I have, you know, I have done an exegesis on all the, the, the armor of God and all the pieces, blah, 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 blah. And he gets done with this big explanation about how much he knows about the armor of God. And the old man leaned up and he said, Sonny, I didn't ask you if you know about the armor of God. I asked you if you put it on this morning because you're going to need it. <laughs> There's a big difference between knowing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and actually being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, we see he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then we go to Luke chapter 4, verse 1. And it says, Then Jesus being, say it out loud, 
filled with the Holy Spirit. So he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now he's filled with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. Here we see Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our example as a human being. He had to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Now, do you think that this happened to Jesus only as an example to us? Or do you think he needed to be baptized, filled, and led by the Holy Spirit? Both. That's good. Francisco, you get up here and preach this. Let me ask you this question. As you go through this passage, which I'm not going to read simply because of time, but that verse 1 is the introduction to the temptation of Christ in the desert, where Satan, the chief spirit of darkness, goes toe-to-toe with the Son of God himself. But Jesus is baptized, filled, and being led by the Holy Spirit. So that's just not a fair fight. You know what I'm saying? Some of you are stripped of the Holy Spirit because your life is consumed with entertainment and busyness, natural education, maybe resisting the Holy Spirit because of addictive sin that you just won't give up and you want it more than him, whatever condition you're in. Well, guess what? Satan hasn't quit. Satan has not quit coming after you because he hates your guts. As the believer and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, or even someone who's not following the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan hates human beings because you are made in the image of God, and he is not going to give up. He just sees this is going to be a much easier fight than I thought it was going to be, because this person is not yielding daily to the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me yet? You see, being in the Word, being in prayer, seeking the Lord is not about a duty. It is about an assignment. It's even about survival. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, knew if I'm going to contend with the devil, who he created. God himself created Lucifer, who became Satan. And God himself knew if I'm going to be in human form, I have to be baptized, filled, and led by the Holy Spirit to be able to successfully overcome the devil. Mufasa. Man, we better get this church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to continue to be pretty, we're not going to make a dent in the world. Do you think that Satan attacks Jesus more than he will attack you? No, by the way. As representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus is in heaven now. And he went, on his disciples, they received the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's been breathing on millions of people ever since. Now there's little Christs running all over the planet. That's where the word Christian first came from. It means little Christs. It was an insult. If you don't know that, the term Christian is an insult. It was these men and women of God that were running around the planet doing the exact same thing Jesus was doing, cleansing the lepers, healing the sick, raising the dead, and saying the kingdom of God has just visited your city. And they said, these people are just like that Jesus that was crucified. And they say he rose from the dead. They're doing the same things. Not to mention the character of Christ that they were exuding everywhere they went. And they called them little Christs, Christians. 
I forget why I said that to you. Oh, yeah, thank you very much. Would Satan attack Jesus more than, would he attack you more or less than he attacks Jesus? More, because there's more of us for him to contend with. He has worked to, de- to, sh- to destroy the church for 2,000 years. And it's the spirit-filled believers that give him just the, oh, so aggravates him. I mean, how irritating is it for him to possess somebody and for a, a believer that's one day old in the Lord comes over and says, in the name of Jesus, come out. And the person gets set free from this demonic stronghold that he's worked like six years to get this person all bound up. And a person one day old in the Lord who understands who they are in Christ, has the name of Jesus, can come up and just cast the devil out of them and set them free. How aggravating would that be if you're the devil? And then what if every Christian on the planet understood what I'm teaching today and we were all not just understanding it, but actually walking in it? Wow! Well, hopefully at least this church, which is the main church I'm responsible for, will do so which is why we have the School of the Supernatural, why Les is teaching this morning, great teaching, Les, I sat in his class, great teaching on the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. So here's how you can see how technically Satan attacks you the same way he attacked Jesus. Because the temptations you see in this chapter, and I'm I'm not going to teach in depth on this, but just to bring it home, Satan tempted Jesus with the exact same three temptations he tempted Adam with. You know what they were? Hedonism, pleasure-seeking, right? You're, you're hungry, turn this stone to bread, food, satisfy yourself, independent from God. Use your own power to satisfy yourself. Same thing you did. Said, see that apple? She said, oh, it's good for food. So it's satisfying the flesh. Hedonism, pleasure-seeking. Secondly was materialism. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, look, let your eyes take in all that could be yours. That's what advertising is all about, just pummeling us with the things that we need to have if you're really going to be successful. And so we go into debt to get stuff. That's materialism. And then humanism, where he says, throw yourself off this cliff. In other words, take your destiny into your own hands. You write out your own five-year plan and don't consult God. That's humanism, that I can achieve on my own, right? I am independently successful. That's hedonism, uh, uh, humanism, rather than I completely submit to the authority of God. And so Satan, or Adam failed on all three of those. Jesus succeeded on all three of those. But how did Jesus Christ succeed against the temptations of hedonism, materialism, and humanism? I was going to say, if you didn't give me the right answer, I was going to start this sermon all over again. So how are you doing with that? How are you doing with the temptations? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. How are you doing with those temptations? I want to submit to you today, I want to say forcefully to you today, without the Holy Spirit, you are not doing well at all. Because human willpower cannot overcome these three temptations, and Satan knows it. That's why you and I must suck yeah you like that imagery you'll never forget it yeah for good or bad you'll never forget that on the life of the holy spirit every day of your life because these three temptations are going to be coming at you from satan 
until the day you go to be with Jesus Christ. And then in verse 4, verse 14, Jesus successfully comes over these temptations. And look what we see in verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. I love this. Now, first of all, when Jesus overcame hedonism, materialism, and humanism by the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, James says this, the half-brother of Jesus. He said, submit to God, resist the devil. It's submit to God, period. That's a sentence, all on its own. Submit to God. You got to do that, right? Complete submission. Then resist the devil, and it says the devil will flee from you like his hair is on fire. Is literally what it means in the Greek. He will flee from you in terror. This is the part I don't think the church at large, the big C, has got yet. That the devil will flee from us in terror if we are fully submitted to God and baptized, filled, and led by the Holy Spirit. Ah! And so then, here's the next thing you see. There's a shift that takes place. After he overcomes the temptations of the devil, the attacks of the devil, he starts to attack the devil. And he says this in the same chapter. In verse 18, he goes on to say this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus Christ, the Son of God says, because, so here is his life purpose. He has anointed me, To sit in church and hear preaching and to go out and do nothing about it. He has anointed me so that people can tell me how wonderful I am. How good I sing, how good I preach, how good I pray. Wow, that's amazing. No, he has anointed me to crack the devil's skull open and set the captives free. Loose, very loose paraphrase. That's the way I would have written it if God had asked me to write it. To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And this is the exact same purpose Jesus Christ has for your life and my life in this church and every church and every ministry on the planet right now today in 2013. In fact, if we go to the book of John in chapter 21, I told you I'm just going to give you a theological lunch today as a backdrop to see that if the Son of God himself needed the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the devil's temptations, and then to attack the devil. He moved from overcoming the attacks of the devil to attacking the devil by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you see his ministry, right? I mean, leprosy did not talk back to Jesus Christ. Now, we are not there yet. We're not batting a thousand percent, but we are seeing a lot of stuff happen. We're seeing a lot of people get healed. You have a testimony booklet that you can read that's right at the Resource Center of people in this, our congregation and people that have come through our congregation over the years and how God has set them free by the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God. We're not batting a thousand, but I'm going to tell you what, we're going to keep stepping up to the plate because people are suffering. People are hurting. Satan is binding people. He's still cursing people. He's still harassing people. He's still driving people away from Jesus uh, with 
with uh, demonic philosophies and, and, and uh, doctrines of demons, the Bible calls it. So you and I need to make sure we are continually filled with the Holy Spirit and stepping up to the plate to set the captive free in our Savior's mighty name. Amen? So in John chapter 21, Jesus says this when he, uh, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 20. When Jesus dies for our sins, rises from the dead, he comes into the upper room where his disciples are, are, are huddled in a little fear circle. And he says to this in verse 21, it was John 20, 21. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. Just as the Father sent me, the same assignment, the same purpose, just like he sent me, I am now sending you. And then he does the most important thing that you'd ever do. If he just said that and he didn't do the next thing, it would have been a disastrous, epic fail. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. <sighs> because it would be impossible without him, just like it was for me. This is a very brief, short theological journey to wake us up to the desperate need we have for the Holy Spirit in your marriage, at work when you have to submit to a jerk boss, as a student having to deal with the worldly environment and the pressures and temptations that, are, that come at you every day, especially at the college level with the philosophies, these satanic philosophies that are being injected, the angel of light every day coming at you. Whether it's character or supernatural battle like Jesus had in the desert, you and I must learn that we have to give ourselves over to the power of the Holy Spirit every day of our lives. And as we do, we too will not only be successful in overcoming the attacks of the devil, we will turn on him and begin to attack him. And I want to say to those of you who have been robbed, stolen from, ripped off, hurt by Satan himself, some of you have been really hit hard by him. And the temptation is to crawl into a hole, curse God, and die, or something close to that. Certainly not be engaged anymore. Maybe just kind of sit in church. Question was being preached. Become cynical. Unbelief starting to fill up your heart and your mind because you lost a spiritual battle or you believed and it didn't work. And he's got you sitting on the bench. I'm gonna tell you a better approach. Rip his face off. The way 
that I personally, and I'm not saying this like I'm something. I'm just telling you what I do. Because I did that. I sat. And it just gets worse and worse. What I, what I decided was rather than sitting and soaking and souring as a believer, I'm going to rip his face off. I am going to go on the offensive and I'm going to retaliate. I'm going to preach harder than I've ever preached before. I'm going to lay hands on more sick people and hopefully one of them will get healed. I'm going to tell the lost about Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray in tongues more than I ever have and be filled with the Holy Spirit and get mysteries from God. I'm going to disciple people more than I ever have before. You touch me and my family? Well, guess what? You're going to pay for that. Now, I don't say that in some kind of cocky way because once you've been hit hard, it, it humbles you. All I'm saying, this is righteous indignation. This is Jesus saying, zeal for my Father's house is consuming me. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Satan bruised his heel. The Bible says Jesus crushed his head. That's how you retaliate. And the, you, you as a believer need to shake yourself and say, the Holy, God gave me the Holy Spirit for a reason. And so that I can begin to destroy the works of the devil. That's in your life and the life of those around you. So I want to do this right now. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. And I want us to stand. And I want us to just spend the next five to ten minutes just engaging the Holy Spirit. Some of you, listen, here's what... Here's one of the key things that some of you may need to do in, in, this, in the church service today. Some of you are not fully submitted to God. And that's not a secret. That's not a new, like a news flash. I'm human. You're human. We wrestle around with God. Jacob wrestled all night, and, and then he came out as the prince of Israel. So it is what it is. Some of you got to get that right because, listen— just like when Jesus was baptized, he fully submitted to God and the Spirit of God came upon him. James says, submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Some of you are, are dealing with addictions right now and you are struggling. Listen, there's a way out right now and it's complete submission to God. I remember one time uh, Gaston, uh, a member of our church was sitting back here. He had a shoulder that he had been to the chiropractor, he'd been to the doctor. It was excruciating pain for years. And I was teaching on this, this, I did a whole sermon on submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. And I asked everybody to stand. And I said, let's just submit to God. Just fully submit to him. And he was standing there and somebody tapped him on his shoulder and he turned around to see who needed to get through the aisle and nobody was trying to get through. Nobody did it, but his shoulder was completely healed. It was when he fully submitted to God, the spirit of infirmity had to leave. You can't rebel against God and tell rebellious, rebellious spirits to get out. They'll go, ha, ha, ha! So some of you just need to submit to God this morning. Some of you need to shake off your religiosity and say, I just need to be humble and come and receive a fresh infill in the Holy Spirit. You just stand with me this morning and we begin to worship. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come down. And if you need physical healing,
If you need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit, maybe you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit before, you can either sit right there at your chair and just worship Him and receive, or if you would like help. The Bible says where two or more agree, I will do anything you ask if it's in my, in my Father's will. Some of you have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, never been filled by the Holy Spirit. Some of you have never even given your life to Jesus Christ. You're not even saved. You need to come down from the aisles right now. We're going to do this for about five, ten minutes max. We're just going to give time for the Holy Spirit to come and do a work. You need to come down here and let one of these prayer teams pray for you. But let's not let this just be a teaching. Let's let it be an encounter and an impartation. So Josh, take us into worship and let's invite the Holy Spirit to come and do His work among us.